Are you feeling overwhelmed right now? Are you at the end of your rope? Here's some encouragement from Pastor Bill Henry. Maybe you're here this morning and you're being tested in your faith. You're being tested in life and you feel, you know what, that you're beyond your limits. Well, here's the thing. When it goes beyond our limits in those testings, don't don't give up. Just give in to Jesus Christ. This is Simple Faith with Pastor Bill Henry from Simple Faith Calvary Chapel in Vancouver, Washington. The world likes to mock God and his true followers, saying things like, how could a God of love allow suffering and sickness, wars, and children dying of starvation? Surprisingly, the church often asks why God allows suffering and persecution in the body of Christ. And today we're gonna continue in our study of the book of Revelation And we're going to see what God's Word has to say regarding those questions and much more. We're looking again today at the Lord's letter to the church in Smyrna found in Revelation chapter 2. Here's Pastor Bill. Don't put your trust in the riches of this day. If all of a sudden you lost everything tomorrow, would your faith go with it? Would you be so mad at the Lord? Oh, Lord, I can't believe you're letting this happen. If all of a sudden you go to the doctor and now your health is taken away, you have cancer, you have two weeks to live or six months or whatever, maybe somebody you love and you get mad at God. If you do, you're holding on too tight to those things. You need to let them go and lift them up in praise because you're not taking any of that stuff with you, even in the rapture. Some of us might be holding on to that old, you know, 1969 Mustang ragtop and I got to take it with me Lord no 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 but I got to take some of the gold no that's asphalt in heaven Bill would you get over it stop clinging to the things of the world remember we're rich in Christ now look at verse 9 as it continues there's apparently a synagogue full of people claiming to be Jews but were really of Satan look at this he goes and I know the blasphemy Of those who say they are Jews, but are not, or excuse me, and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So this reminds us of what Jesus said back in John chapter 8. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me, please, to John chapter 8. It says basically the same thing. As he was going to, he was in the temple, he's being questioned by the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus is speaking in John 8, 37. John 8, 37, he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Go up to verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the father of lies, and then so there in Smyrna. Uh, Jesus basically, you know, has said, look, they're dealing with this same spirit there at this synagogue. 
the synagogue of Satan. Look at verse 9 as it continues. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. So it's interesting to note, if you look back at verse 9, notice that these Jews who were persecuting Christians, and they're doing it in the name of God, okay, were actually not of God, but they were of Satan. And notice where it says, and I know the blasphemy. So it is blasphemy to do something in the name of God that goes against God. It's not just blasphemy to take the name of God in vain, which it is, but to also take the name of God in vain upon you. Say, I'm a Jew or I'm a Christian, and this is about the Jews. They're saying, look, I'm a Jew, I love God, so let's go ahead and hate and kill and, and, and just persecute these Christians. And they're doing it in the name of God, and it was blasphemy to God. Now look, guys and gals, this is very sad, and the reason is twofold to me. Number one, the early church was indeed persecuted, not only by the Romans, but first by the Jews. This is a truth that we need to understand and admit. The Jews did persecute um, the churches, the early church. You see what they did to the apostles. You see what they did to Jesus. But again, here's the thing that, that the second thing that's sad to me is that there have been those who claim to be Christian then, who when it was their turn to come into power, they used scriptures like this, oh, it's a you know, synagogue of Satan, and they went then and used these scriptures to go persecute the Jews. If you look over the last 2,000 years of church history, many wicked things have been done to the Jews in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. Guess what? God sees that as blasphemy. Do we understand this? So it's no longer basically, you know, uh, it's the synagogue of Satan, but the church of Satan. When we as Christians think that we can, you know, hate others, especially the Jews. And I think of like some of the early church fathers like Martin Luther. Do you know that towards the end of his life, he literally hated the Jews and he would use the synagogue of Satan right down the street and we burned it down. What a wicked man. And I love a lot of his writings. But that's so wicked. He became, he became the church of Satan. Look, if we're here today or watching or listening, look, and you think it's okay to hate the Jews, you're deceived by the father of lies, by the way. And you've also become a son of the devil or a daughter of the devil. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ, by the way, and hate anybody, let alone the Jews. And, and it's a terrible and wicked thing. There's a thing within the church, and we've talked about it many times, and we will throughout this letter because it, you know, there's so many references, a thing called replacement theology, where the church has replaced the Jews. It's a wicked theology because it literally um, basically takes all the scriptures, all the promises to the Jews and hijacks them and says, oh, now it's to the church, and we can hate you now, Jews, because God hates you. It's wicked. And sadly, most of the church, by the way, today adheres to this theology. And I've met pastors even. There's a, a Calvary Chapel pastor a few months ago that had to be corrected 
Because he was teaching, you know, replacement theology. And what's sad is you always kind of detect this kind of, I don't know what the word is, almost a hatred towards the Jewish people as they're teaching this stuff. And you hear it all over the place. You know, there was a famous rapper who became a Christian, and next thing you know, he's deriding the Jewish people. Oh, you know, all Jewish people, all they do is they love money. Oh, Jewish people, all they want is they want power. Oh, they're over the world. They're over this. And if you buy into a lot of these lies, you're buying into the father of lies. And if it's a church, guess what? It's now become a a church of Satan. And we need to be careful Uh, Because God says he's not done with the Jewish people yet. It doesn't matter what I say, what Pastor Bill says, what Calvary Chapel says, what this church or that pastor says. What does the word of God say? Is God done with Israel? Let's turn to Romans chapter 11. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Let's see. What does Paul the apostle say? Well, wait a minute. We can't trust him. He was a Jew too. Well, then you need to get saved. I'm not kidding. Romans chapter 11. Let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say about this. Now, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. I'm usually out of the New King James, sometimes the ESV, but just to shake it up a little bit so we'll really kind of hear what Paul is saying. Romans 11:17. it says, But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who are branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you receive the blessing of God, has promised the God, a blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You're just a branch, not the root. Look up at verse 25. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only last until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. Look at verse 28. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. God is not done with the nation of Israel yet. And just because they at one time did persecute the churches, we're reading here in Smyrna, That does not give us cause to persecute anyone in the name of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 10 as it continues. Back in our text. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Again, I love the heart of Jesus. He's like, look, don't fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. So Jesus is warning them, guess what? You have some suffering coming. You're you're about to suffer. Don't fear. He even says, indeed, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And notice they will have tribulation for 10 days. Now, most of us can understand the part about encouraging the church not to fear. 
uh, that they're about to suffer. Uh, we can pretty much understand that they're going to be tested. But what does it mean about having tribulation for 10 days? Again, this is not the tribulation, the great tribulation to come. This is, again, just the tribulation that is happening there within the church um, that is going to last what God, Jesus says is 10 days. They're suffering. They're being thrown into prison, uh, these different things. Now, most biblical commentators I read believe that the 10 days here is representative. It's not a literal 10 days. It could be 10 days. Um, it could stand for 10 years. It could stand for something else. But what's interesting, most of them said that it, it basically refers to a limited amount of time, but unspecified amount of time. So it's a limited amount of time, 10 days, but it's also an unspecified. And if you do a little study uh, throughout the Bible on 10 days, it is an interesting study because you do get that vibe of where they got this from. Now, remember that we do know that Jesus said, he was using this time to test them. And so again, he's about to let some of them be thrown into prison. You know, the devil's going to do this and that you may be tested. Maybe you're here this morning and you're being tested in your faith. You're being tested in life and you feel, you know what, that you're beyond your limits. Well, here's the thing. When it goes beyond our limits in those testings, don't, don't give up. Just give in to Jesus Christ. It's kind of like we read, if you read the pastor's words today, suicide is, is at a, a pandemic. Talk about the pandemic. Uh, suicide is just going crazy, especially amongst our young, uh, the girls and the guys. And everybody just says, well, just kill yourself. There's no hope. Well, for those without Christ, there is no hope. But for those that are in Christ, there is a certain hope. And we need to understand that when we go through various trials, the Lord is allowing our faith to be tested. And as we turn to him, as we remember and stand upon his word and lean into him, and sometimes that's with tears as we're suffering, he will always comfort us. He will always strengthen us and he will always bring us through. Whatever that means, by the way. Sometimes that testing will lead to our deaths, as we're going to see here in just a moment. He says, be faithful unto death. Will you be faithful unto Jesus till your death? I don't know about you, but I can stand up here and say, oh, yeah, dude, right on, bro, I'm going to be faithful. <laughs> no, I'd be like, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. I'm just going to be honest with you, Lord. But you know what? In you, I can do all things. In, in, in your strength, I can do all things because your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough. And I've been at death's door with people I love dearly and prayed that, Lord, would you please let this cup pass from them? And it didn't. And they went home to Jesus. And I wept. And there's been other times when I've been betrayed by friends or other things have happened that I just don't understand. You know what? That doesn't take away from the things we do understand of God. Don't let the things you don't know about God take away the things that you do know. We know that God is good. We know that God loves you. Well, how could God love me and let this go? You know what? We may not understand the testing that is happening, but we know that Jesus died upon the cross because he loves you. That's how we know the love of God. That's how we know that God loves you. Don't believe the lies of the world, the lies of the enemy, or the lies of your flesh. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. God, the Father, so loved you that he sent his only begotten Son. So when we're going through trials, count it all joy, James says. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work. Note that we have to let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect. The word perfect there means mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know, testing can be very hard. Yet by the grace of God and with his patience, the Lord can mature us and grow us. Now look at what he says here as we're getting ready to close. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Now notice, he says, be faithful unto death. He's saying, look, some of you are probably going to die. Be faithful unto death. Even if you don't die, you're going to die someday unless the rapture comes. Be faithful unto death. Now, let me point out a quick uh, few things that are very interesting to me here. Notice that Jesus says, be faithful until death. Now, remember back in verse 8, if you'll just glance back there, what does Jesus call himself as he addresses this letter to them? Hmm, Wait a minute. He calls himself the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Is it a coincidence, you know, just some winky-dinky that Jesus said this as he's also encouraging him, look, don't be be faithful unto death because guess what? Jesus was faithful unto death. He's the first and the last. He was dead. He came back to life. Jesus assures them that even he himself has tasted of suffering and the testing. He has tasted of death Yet he came back to life because he is the life. He is the beginning. He is the end. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus says, do you believe this? How about you here this morning? Do you believe it? Do you believe that in Jesus Christ you'll never die? That when you do die, it's just going to be a blink of an eye and then you're in heaven. You're immediately to be absent with the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. Do you believe this? Jesus is God and he is with them and he is telling them, look, be faithful unto the to death and I will give you the crown of life. How can Jesus promise this? Because he alone is God. And his promises again are yes and amen. He is able to give those who have been born again of his spirit the crown of life. Uh, You know, another thing quickly to note, it's kind of neat. It's a little that one of the commentators brought out. You know, this goes hand in hand with, with this letter written to Smyrna. I didn't tell you what the word Smyrna meant back in the introduction, and that was for on purpose. Do you know what the word Smyrna means, the city? It actually means myrrh. Have you ever heard of frankincense and myrrh? That's what it is. It was an ordinary perfume of the time. And most of you know that myrrh was also used in the anointing oil for the tabernacle. Interesting, isn't it? And they would use it for embalming the dead. I love how one commentator tied it together. While Christians of the church at Smyrna, or myrrh, were experiencing the bitterness of suffering... Their faithful testimony was like myrrh or sweet perfume to the Lord. And that's the thing is we lift up our lives and live them as living sacrifices unto the Lord. It's a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. 
It's a beautiful thing. And so again, we need to understand that this is true for us today too. We need to be faithful to the end. We need to find our strength in Jesus Christ. Be strong in the strength of the Lord. Hey, I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. Praise God you finally realize that. We can only do it in the strength of Jesus Christ. Read Ephesians chapter 6. Go back and read Joshua chapter 1 and other places. Be strong in the might of the Lord. And by the way, as we were talking about in Chronicles, he's looking true and fro for people to show himself strong on behalf of. Notice he says here, be faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life. So there's another, uh, for those who are faithful unto death, the Lord will give a crown of life. You know, there's many other crowns that the Lord can give us. Uh, 2 Timothy, uh, we read that there's a crown of righteousness. Uh, it says, well, that not only be given to him, but also those who have loved his appearing. 1 Corinthians 9.25, we read about an imperishable crown. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, a crown of rejoicing. 1 Peter chapter 5, the elders who are faithful, they're going to receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Here in Revelation 2.9, a crown of life. Uh, and in Revelation 4, we read about golden crowns. And you don't have to turn there, but in Revelation chapter 4, we come and we have a view into a worship session uh, in heaven. And it's beautiful. And we also find out why we have the golden crowns. In verse 9, you just flip over there real quick, just to chapter 4, Revelation 4, verse 9. Revelation 4, 9, it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits at the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. See, one day, the crowns that God has given us, the purpose, I believe, is to have something more to worship him with. And, and it's interesting because I've heard people say, well, you know, even pastors, don't work, you know, don't look at these rewards, you know, that God's going to give out. Don't work for them. You know what? If the Lord's using them as an incentive here for the church in Smyrna and for us today, I think that's a good enough reason for us to use them for an incentive too. I want to have as many crowns as I can have to throw down at the feet of Jesus. I don't want to just walk around with all these crowns. This is the crown of righteousness. This is the crown of life. Dude, I just want to throw them down at the feet of Jesus because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Now look at it, it says here, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Everybody have an ear here today? Everybody? You got an ear? Hear what the Spirit says. Notice it comes, becomes personal now. That's why these letters we can personalize. He who has an ear, let him hear. She who has an ear, let them hear. The Spirit says to the churches, look guys and gals, in, in, I'm not going to read the scripture, but in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 16, 2, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 16, it talks about things that are spiritually discerned and how we can only discern these things by the Spirit of God. Yet so many of us can be so just, what I just what I see and forget about the spiritual realm. Last part of verse 11 as we close. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. 
Look, we talked about this last time. Uh, overcome here is nikowanti in the Greek. It literally means to conquer, to overcome, to prevail, to get the victory. And if we do that, if we overcome in Jesus Christ, we shall not be hurt by the second death. There will be a second death uh, for those who are not in Jesus Christ. They will be uh, in the second resurrection at the end of the book of Revelation. We read uh, that they'll be resurrected and those not found in the book of life. I will have the second death, if you will, throw it into the lake of fire for all eternity. But he who overcomes, how do we overcome, guys and gals? We overcome through Jesus Christ. Through his grace, Jesus Christ has overcome the world. He has told us we are children of God. We can overcome, and we overcome him. Forgetting the things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's how we overcome in Christ Jesus. Thanks for joining us for Simple Faith with Pastor Bill Henry, the senior pastor at Simple Faith Calvary Chapel in Vancouver, Washington. Now, if you were blessed by today's message in the book of Revelation, or you missed some of it, or you'd like to share it with a friend, go to our website and watch the video at simplefaith.org. That's simplefaith.org, and just click on the media tab at the top of the homepage. And if you'd like to contact us via the U.S. mail, our mailing address is P.O. Box 55, Battleground, Washington, 98604. Now, here at Simple Faith Calvary Chapel, we have three services every Sunday morning at 830, 10 and 11:30. So if you're looking for a church home in the Vancouver, Washington area, make plans to join us for fellowship, worship, and a great time in God's word. Again, that's 8:30, 10 and 11:30 every Sunday morning. And again, for directions or more information, go to our website simplefaith.org. Thanks for joining us today and be sure to set aside another half hour next weekend at the same time as our study in Revelation continues here on Simple Faith with Pastor Bill Henry. Brought to you by Simple Faith Calvary Chapel. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. Music.